Wilmington police say protests Monday remain generally peaceful, but say there were, quote, several agitators. Send me another unit, please. Send me another unit. A movement, I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. All right, welcome back to Into the Fray. It's not often the news world turns upside down like this. Afghanistan has fallen. They're really wasn't even a fight. All told, it took about a month for the Taliban to overrun the whole country. But the fall of the Afghan government took just the weekend. I already published a show on America's history of failed nation building and why it's always doomed to fail, so I'll spare you that topic. If you missed it, it was only a few weeks ago and it was called Our Fat Nose. So check it out. It's taken on new relevance now. Today's show is going to be a little different than usual. I'm going to do my best to convey the extent of what happened this weekend and this morning. In brief, a lot happened. Frankly, a lot is still happening. It's been a while since I've seen this kind of news flood. There's a sense of gravity to this that seems out of place for events happening in a stand on the other side of the world. And yet, still... There really is a sense of gravity to this. To start, Biden isn't just a senile old bat taking orders from who knows who. He's now a senile old bat taking his instructions from who knows who, who botched a long overdue withdrawal about as badly as it could be botched. It's like watching a small child arrogantly tell you that they can kick the ball better than you, only to end up on their head, and the ball ending up through a window, knocking over a Ming Dynasty vase, and tripping your 80-year-old grandpa who falls down the stairs. In case you think I'm exaggerating, hat tip Polaris. We'll not conduct a hasty rush to the exit. We'll do it, we'll do it responsibly, deliberately, and safely. Is a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. Zero. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. From WION News, Blackhawks and Chinooks are doing the rounds between the embassy and the airport. It is not at all comfortable. The likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is unlikely. Don't you bear some responsibility for the outcome if the Taliban ends up back in control and women end up losing the rights? No, I don't. Do I bear responsibility? Zero responsibility. From Axios. Rarely has an American president's predictions been so wrong, so fast, so convincingly as President Biden on Afghanistan. Just five weeks ago, President Biden assured Americans... The likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. In April, Biden said, We will not conduct a hasty rush to the exit. We'll do it responsibly, deliberately, and safely. 
This morning, the Taliban is entering the Afghanistan capital, Kabul, from all sides, a senior Afghan official told Reuters. Jalalabad, the last major city besides the capital not held by the Taliban, fell earlier today. The former U.S. ambassador to Afghanistan stated, I'm left with some grave questions in my mind about his ability to lead our nation as commander-in-chief, Crocker said, to have read this so wrong, or even worse, to have understood what was likely to happen and not care. Now, I don't want to lay this entirely at Biden's feet. Not entirely. He did spectacularly flub this, but responsibility also lays at the feet of Bush number 2, Obama, and to some extent even Trump. Though, to my understanding, Trump's withdrawal deal with the Taliban was that we would leave so long as they played nice and didn't cause any trouble. And if they did, we'd be back to kill every last one of them. That's my understanding, anyway. Right now, people are throwing around all kinds of theories about when and where we went wrong. The reality is, we went wrong the moment we put down roots. Bush number two put down roots in Afghanistan. He's the one who chose to occupy and nation-build, so I say most of the blame rests with him. The very moment this became an occupying, nation-building endeavor, failure was unavoidable. The botched withdrawal, however, that rests entirely at Biden's feet. We pulled out in the middle of fighting season. In case you don't understand how Afghanistan works, the Taliban don't really fight during the winter. They retreat to their caves and ride out the cold. Then, when it warms up, they come back out and it's on. All over again. Until it gets cold again. Biden, reportedly against the adamant appeals of his military advisors, was determined to pull out in the middle of the warm season. The fighting season. The Taliban were up and ready to take full advantage. In January or February, we could have withdrawn in a paced and orderly manner. We would have had all the time in the world. We could have got our affairs in order and dealt with what needed to be dealt with before the Taliban came back out of their hidey holes. Instead, we fled like the place was on fire, leaving all kinds of toys and opportunity for the thugs and terrorists. From WION News, Taliban fighters claim to have seized U.S.-made military aircraft from Afghan armed forces at Kandahar Airport on Saturday, August 14th one day after capturing the city. Footage posted to social media by Taliban-owned Mashal News shows two Taliban fighters showing off two U.S.-supplied UH-60 Blackhawk, one under maintenance, one on apron, and two MI-17 helicopters at what is said to be Kandahar Airport. The Taliban now have dozens, if not hundreds, of U.S.-made heavily armored Humvees and MRAPs. They have U.S.-made rifles and drones, And if they're not evac'd or destroyed, they'll reportedly have fighter jets when they take the airport in Kabul. Now, some of this stuff might not sound like much of a threat to Americans. The American military is way more powerful than all of this. But the Afghan people are not. Now, right now, our forces, it appears at least, are confined to that airport in Kabul. Good news, at least for the Americans still in country, the 82nd Airborne are on the ground there securing the critical facility. Hat tip Jack Posobiec for that scoop. But that's it. The Taliban have the whole rest of the country. All of it. The Afghan government has fallen. It's over. The Afghan president fled the country and the Taliban had a photo shoot. At his desk, 
inside the presidential palace. To put a little perspective on that, it's like bin Laden and his crew doing a photo shoot from behind the Resolute desk in the White House. The Afghan government is over. There wasn't even a fight. Trisha Flanagan, congresswoman from New Jersey, wrote, Taliban has now declared Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. Offers choice. Acceptance of Sharia law. Flee. Or beheading. Chairman of Joint Chiefs has confirmed raising terror threat in U.S. as al-Qaeda declares intent to hit America's homeland. Hamid Shalizi, Reuters. Taliban roaming in Kabul Airport Road driving Humvees and motorbikes as sporadic fire can be heard from different locations. Helicopters flying overhead. One report I saw said there were a thousand people trying to board a 300-passenger plane to Istanbul. I've seen footage of people trying to climb onto airplanes as they're taking off. This is getting desperate. Commercial flights have been closed, and Afghanis still in country are stuck until the U.S. completes its personnel evac. This is a clip of the mayhem at the airport as thousands of people try to flee the country. This is what that sounds like. From S7RZ on Twitter. Despite months of insistence that we were going to maintain a diplomatic presence, the situation on the ground has deteriorated such that our embassy burned its sensitive documents and the ambassador has been evac'd. From Ina Ruffini, CBS News, August 15th. New. U.S. Ambassador has left the embassy in Kabul. He and the flag are at the airport, per CBS News. WION News. There is smoke coming out of the U.S. Embassy compound side. ABC News. Smoke rises next to the U.S. Embassy in Kabul. The embassy instructed all U.S. personnel to destroy items like documents and electronic devices to reduce the amount of sensitive material on the property, per an internal notice obtained by ABC News. Kylie Atwood, CNN. The American flag at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul has been taken down, marking a final step in the embassy evacuation, sources tell me. State Department Spock said on Thursday that the U.S. drawdown of diplomats was not an evacuation. Now, three days later, the evac is on the verge of completion. They burned their documents, removed the flag, airlifted the ambassador and all the embassy personnel they could out of there, and 40 minutes later, Pentagon spokesman John Kibri said this. Right now, without getting into a battlefield assessment every day, I don't want to do that. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, Kabul is not uh, right now um, uh, in an Im- imminent threat environment. Really? Because that tweet about the American ambassador departing with the flag was from 40 minutes earlier. What I just played was posted by The Hill, Sunday, August 15th at 3.41 p.m. The embassy had been abandoned. Maybe I should read the CBS News post once again, make sure I didn't miss anything. Ina Ruffini, CBS News, Sunday, August 15th, 3.03 p.m. New. U.S. Ambassador has left the embassy in Kabul. 
He and the flag are at the airport, per CBS News. Nope, didn't miss anything. Ambassador has been evac'd, the flag has been removed from the premises, the embassy has been abandoned. Alright, glad he's safe, but this isn't over. We haven't got everyone out. U.S. personnel all over the city have been warned it's too dangerous to get to the airport and to shelter in place. This is like a bad action movie. You're trapped in a city overrun by terrorists. You can sit where you are and wait and hope a special forces team is sent back in for you, or you can find a way out yourself. This is a very bad situation. The last time Biden was part of the executive branch, he, Hillary Clinton, and Obama sat on their hands refusing to allow fighter jets and troops to go in, assets and boots that were ready to go, while the embassy in Benghazi was overrun. Not exactly a faith-building exercise for the Americans now stranded in another overrun city. From the post-millennial, in a new security alert issued Sunday by the United States Embassy in Kabul, Afghanistan, the same day the Afghanistan president fled the capital, U.S. citizens in the area are being instructed to shelter in place and avoid both the embassy and airport. The original statement issued this morning told U.S. citizens that the security situation in Kabul is changing quickly, and the situation at the airport is deteriorating rapidly. There are reports of the airport taking fire, and we are instructing U.S. citizens to shelter in place. Do you remember, you don't need a mask? Oh wait, that was just so that important people could have masks. There couldn't be any parallels going on here. No, there couldn't be any. And what comes of that? What comes of these instructions? This is a Twitter exchange between someone with family in Kabul and CBS News correspondent Ina Ruffini. Family wrote, My brother, his wife, and his daughter are still in Kabul. He and his daughter are Americans. What can we do to get them out? The U.S. Embassy is not answering his phone calls or emails. Taliban are driving around his apartment building. Ina Rafini, CBS News, replied, I don't know the answer to this. I wouldn't know how to get myself out of the city if I were there right now. Embassy says shelter in place. American citizens are supposed to submit the travel request form on the embassy website. Submit a travel request form on the embassy website? Are you kidding me? We're doing triplicate while the city's taking fire? Is this how all bureaucrats think? Is this how they function? Is everything forms and procedures to them? This is insane. We should have an entire emergency call center set up in some arena somewhere with the best the NSA, CIA, and FBI have to offer, talking to these people directly and coming up with viable solutions for getting them out. This is going to quickly devolve into a hostage situation. This is going to get very, very ugly for a lot of people. Right now, before they're found, while we still know where they are and we still have a way to communicate with them, we can go in and get them. Once they've been captured, we're going to be trying to locate them in a massive occupied city looking in from the outside. Even with satellite coverage, and even if we manage to get some assets inside the city to gather intel, the Taliban can keep moving them. You ever played the shell game? The game with three cups and a marble and you're supposed to figure out which cup the marble is under as it's moving around? It's like that, except with several million cups and several hundred marbles. Thankfully, not everyone in our government is a worthless, blithering idiot. Senator Tom Cotton tweeted this out. 
If you're an American stranded in Afghanistan or know someone who is, please contact my office immediately. The situation is dire, but we'll do everything in our power to help keep you informed and to help get you out. So at least someone is doing something to make direct contact and come up with real solutions in the narrow window we're working with. But that's just the Americans. There are journalists from all over the world there, and thousands of people who helped us over the last 20 years. The Taliban are going to kill every one of them, and their families, and anyone who tries to hide them, protect them, give them money, anyone who tries to help them escape the country. This is what comes of nation-building. The circumstances necessary for freedom to survive are complex and extensive. We seem to think in Iraq and Afghanistan that we could just stop the bad guys and mandate elections and everything would be fine. Meanwhile, we can't even keep freedom alive here at home. What makes anyone think we can impose it on others who don't share our value systems? Now, thousands of the best Afghanistan had to offer will almost certainly be dead within the next few months. Maybe even the next few days. We can't bring them all to the U.S., certainly not in time. But what's the alternative? If they stay, they'll almost certainly be found and killed. The Taliban is already going door-to-door looking for them. And where is our fearless leader? Well, that's a good question. Jack Posobiec reported, Ron Klain wanted Biden to rush back to D.C. yesterday afternoon to the Situation Room. But Jill stepped in, saying that Biden could project his leadership from anywhere, per White House official. That's happened at least once before, when Woodrow Wilson's mental status declined to the point where he wasn't functional as president, his wife hid him away and ran interference. She also basically ran the country as if she were him. I don't know for sure that that's what Dr. Jill is doing, but uh, that's some interesting phrasing, that he can project his leadership from anywhere. Posobiec reported something else. Biden went to sleep earlier than usual tonight, per White House official. He was confused by all the conflicting intel reports. That's just what we need. A president who gets overloaded and short circuits at the time his leadership is most needed. They're saying we might hear from him Wednesday. Great. Kamala Harris hitched her wagon to Biden, and now she's disavowing any role in this catastrophe. From Politico. Vice President Kamala Harris confirmed Sunday that she was the last person in the room before President Joe Biden made the decision to pull all U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. Harris said she had a key role in Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal decision. That was back in April. How about now? Posobiec reported, Shade war going hot. Kamala refused a request to do a presser today. She said she was focused on Haiti, not Afghanistan. Now staffers for the rival teams have been openly fighting all day, per White House official. And Jen Psaki has bailed as well. She's taken the week off. I will be out of the office August 15th through August 22nd. Yeah, this is a great time to go on vacation. Again from Jack Posobiec. This isn't just the fall of Kabul. The entire leadership of the U.S. government disappeared today. A thousand narratives collapsed in real time. D.C. theater gave way to reality. The one and only thing the Biden administration appears to have accomplished this weekend 
is putting more intelligence assets in danger. The Postmillennial reported, In a Twitter post published by the White House Twitter account Sunday depicting a video conference with President Joe Biden and his national security team, the White House appears to have inadvertently revealed the identities and locations of intelligence officials in the Middle East. Shown as part of the video conference on the screen are faces of key officials from the Office of the Secretary of Defense, the Director of National Intelligence, the Vice President, as well as the Central Intelligence Agency, and officials from Doha Station. So while the President is MIA, the Vice President is denying responsibility or involvement, and the White House Press Secretary has jumped ship, this is what's happening at the Kabul airport, the only place U.S. personnel can evac from at the moment. The situation on the ground is getting more and more desperate by the hour. Lucas Tomlinson of Fox News reported, All U.S. evacuation flights suspended in Kabul, U.S. officials confirm. Afghans desperate to escape the Taliban takeover have flooded the runway after breaching airport walls. Asked how long U.S. can stay in Kabul, officials said, I think this all ends in the next three days. There was a video on Twitter captioned, shooting in the air by U.S. soldiers at an airport in an attempt to control thousands of Afghans who want to escape. Aurora Intel reported, Hundreds of people on the runway at Kabul airport, as they all are trying to get on a flight out of the country. Situation in the airport is worsening. C-17s will be unable to take off without a clear runway. There's a video attached to the report. The runways aren't clear, because thousands of Afghanis are on the runway trying to find a way out. The situation has become desperate for everyone. This probably feels like it just came out of the woodwork. It's just become a major news story, but this didn't just happen. Pasobic also shared a message from an intel source. He tweeted a picture of the message. Here's the caption. Message from in-region U.S. personnel. For the last two to three months, everything pointed to this coming. Biden lied about the intel. And the message itself? Dude, we've been reading the same daily reports from the forward U.S. fora commander that General McKenzie gets for like the last two to three months. And everything pointed to this coming. That BS that Biden said at that press conference like a month ago? If you were reading the daily reports from U.S. fora forward, that statement made zero effing sense to you like it did to me. For months leading up to that, ANA, ANDSF, the Afghan National Army, were surrendering literally hundreds, sometimes thousands at a time to the Taliban all over the country. Biden was completely talking out of his arse because what he said completely contradicted what was coming out of the Mill Intel reports. This didn't come on all of a sudden. Is this total incompetence? Is it an intentional part of the managed decline of the United States? I don't know. I suppose the two aren't mutually exclusive. But Biden straight up lied. Losing Kabul and the seat of the Afghan government was big, but it wasn't the only major loss. Bagram Air Force Base, basically Grand Central Station for all of our operations in Afghanistan, fell, and the Taliban released thousands of ISIS terrorist prisoners held there. Last Friday, Jason Bottrell was on the Glenn Beck radio show. He reported that women are fleeing over the border into Iran to escape the Taliban. Imagine fleeing to Iran to escape what is happening to women in Afghanistan. And while all this has been going on for months, the Kabuki Theater in D.C. has continued. 
This is Secretary of State Blinken on July 7th. I don't think that uh, the fact that our forces are, are withdrawing, one, we're not withdrawing, we're staying, uh, the embassy is staying, our programs are staying, we're working to make sure that other partners stay, we're building all of that up. And uh, whatever happens in Afghanistan, if there is a significant deterioration uh, in security, um, that could well happen. We've discussed this uh, before. Um, I don't think it's going to be something that happens from a Friday to a Monday. Well, that didn't age well. Bad news, Secretary Blinken. The Afghan government fell over the weekend. I've seen a Blinken be this wrong before, but that was a Mel Brooks movie. Blinken, what are you doing up there? Guessing? I guess no one's coming. The two clips are unfortunately uncannily similar in nature. I didn't play that clip to be funny, by the way. That's the level of incompetence we're seeing from this administration. The fiasco is being compared to Saigon, Vietnam, which isn't inaccurate, where we had to airlift embassy personnel from the roof of the embassy as the Viet Cong closed in. It's an apt comparison for what's happening as we speak. What comes next, however, is a different historical parallel. After we get the bulk of our personnel off the tarmac at Kabul airport, in two or three days when we're gone and we've removed the last significant military assets, this is almost certainly going to turn into Tehran, circa 1980. Do any of you remember or have you learned about the American embassy in Tehran when Islamic extremists threw out the Shah? When the Iranian government was overthrown by radical college students? By the way, the same extremists who now run the place? We had people held hostage in the American embassy itself, and others who escaped and hid out in the city. The incident went on for months. There was a failed special forces mission, and eventually, we made some kind of deal. The whole thing was very ugly for the people stuck there. Guess what? We're almost certainly going to watch that miserable fiasco on repeat. We have hundreds of Americans in that city. Americans who, for the time being have been instructed to shelter in place and file travel requests on the embassy webpage. Don't fool yourself that filing paperwork is going to do anything to help them get out. The people at the airport, already on planes, are having trouble getting out. Protecting our people and getting them home will require a Herculean level of organization and military force. That's not something I think this administration is capable of. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we get this sorted out but I don't have much faith in this administration or its military leaders. Scratch that. I don't have any faith in this administration or its military leaders. They're MIA. The situation hit the fan and they all disappeared. Biden's hubris is nauseating. We'll not conduct a hasty rush to the exit. We'll do it, we'll do it responsibly, deliberately and safely. Is a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. Zero. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of an embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. The likelihood there's going to be Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is unlikely. 
Don't you bear some responsibility for the outcome? If the Taliban ends up back in control and women end up losing the rights. No, I don't. Do I bear responsibility? Zero responsibility. And let's pair that with this. And I made a commitment that when I made a mistake, I'd tell you. And I've made mistakes. And when I think I got it right, I'll say it. But I'll take responsibility for what I do and say. So then why do we have hashtag where's Biden? He's MIA. He and his entire administration. At Combat Journo is a reporter for Radio Free Europe. He's been posting throughout this. Listen to the change in tone as the day progresses. This is from Monday, August 16th. Televisions in Kabul have mostly moderated their broadcast content to more Islamic and less liberal content. Islamic Education Program and a Turkish Islamic War History show about the Ottoman Empire are running on loop since last night. Some channels even play Taliban music. Pakistan, China, and Russia haven't closed down their embassies in Kabul yet. This is a game-changer for all of us. Many have started counting their final hours of life in Kabul. No one knows what happens next. Pray for us. Taliban started door-to-door search looking for government officials, former police and security forces members, and those who worked for foreign countries, NGOs, and infrastructures in Afghanistan. At least three journalist houses were searched in the last hour. Kabul is now becoming deadly. I'm hopelessly stuck in Kabul, with my wife and child. Like myself, hundreds of other journalists are also stuck here. I have an 11-month-old daughter. Please pray for her safety. Bill Crystal tweeted out a message sent from a former Afghani translator to a soldier just returned from his third tour. Terrorists are going door to door and killing pilots and SOFs, raping their families, and taking their houses. Two of my friends were shot dead. In Kabul. All I can say is pray for the people in Kabul. Pray for the whole country. They were just overrun by the worst thugs, criminals, and deviants the region has to offer. That's all I have on this one. I don't have any good answers right now. The solution was to not put down roots over there. But that ship sailed 20 years ago. When a problem is bigger than you, you pray. You seek guidance from God. You pray and you listen. Pray for our people in Kabul. Pray for the Afghan people. Pray to know what we're supposed to do. What your part is to reclaim our country here at home so that some anchor of freedom remains in this world. I said at the beginning that this situation feels like it has gravity. It feels like, when this is over, the world is going to be a fundamentally different place. China seems to agree. From Global Times, Chinese state-run media. From what happened in Afghanistan, those in Taiwan should perceive that once a war breaks out in the Straits, the island's defense will collapse in hours and the U.S. military won't come to help. As a result, the DPP will quickly surrender. While Afghanistan dominates the stage right now, and what's going on there is vitally important, don't lose sight of the rest of the globe. Notice that they didn't frame the war in the Straits as an if, but as a certainty, that once a war breaks out in the Straits, the island's defenses will collapse in hours and the U.S. military won't come to help. As a result, the DPP will quickly surrender. Be informed. Stay safe. Don't do anything stupid.
We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war, and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the Founding Fathers. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. This is the issue of this election. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Senator Fulbright has said at Stanford University that the Constitution is outmoded. He referred to the president as our moral teacher and our leader. And he says he is hobbled in his task by the restrictions of power imposed on him by this antiquated document. He must be freed so that he can do for us what he knows is best. If you and I have the courage to tell our elected officials that we want our national policy based on what we know in our hearts is morally right, we cannot buy our security by committing an immorality so great as saying to a billion human beings now enslaved behind the Iron Curtain, give up your dreams of freedom, because to save our own skins, we're willing to make a deal with your slave masters. Alexander Hamilton said, a nation which can prefer disgrace to danger is prepared for a master and deserves one. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war, but there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement, and this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay, there is a point beyond which they must not advance. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness.